Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, the video game music podcast. This is episode 7-3. We're your hosts and I'm Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernet. And with us, we have a special guest today. We are putting off our scheduled list of episodes for another time. We're having our special guest, uh, Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound Version podcast. How you doing, Michael? I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me, Rob and Pernell. It's a real, real distinction for me to be on this show with you both. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. Um, so tell, tell us a little bit about your show and uh, where we can find you. Okay, it's kind of still early days. Um, I've been podcasting since last summer, I think. Um, I'm about 17 episodes in so far. I play video game music, uh, some classics, some deep cuts. You know, I like to dig a little bit deeper sometimes. Cool. Get some friends along occasionally, and we just play some music, talk about it a little. Much like yourselves, really, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just like to uh, just just pick a topic and just kind of like dive into it. I, I don't have a, a lot of video game knowledge that Pernell does, so I really like to explore um, the music that was composed for these games. And I like to give him a lot of crap for not playing the games I've played. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so t- tell us a little about your background. Do you, do you have like a, do you have a musical background, or maybe um, a little bit about like your early days with gaming? Sure. Well, I suppose more than anything, I am a musician. Um, rather than like a hardcore gamer, so to speak. Uh, I've always had a pretty substantial investment in music since I was a kid. That said, um, I did play games from 8-bit, 16-bit era onwards, and one of the main draws was the music, and it was sort of a mystical, evasive thing back then because it was pre-internet and information about the music and composers was often quite scant. So, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, you understand me, don't you? Like, It's nice <laughs> to dig into this stuff. Yeah, I feel like even in the early days, like the, the composers, like you only really heard about them through the credits of the games and if you could even right. you know, beat the game. And even half the time they used um, pseudonyms or they wouldn't even list the names at all. So... Like exactly. now, like going back, it's almost like a historical. Find, trying to find like historical records of these things, but um, like, he, like his name is Hideki Tomo, but he went by Crazy K. Well, like uh, <laughs> was it, what was her name? Bun Bun from Mega Man Three. Go <laughs> yeah. by Bun Bun. Um, classic, classic pseudonym. So we've been we've been um, putting trying to put this together for a little while now since uh, like December or November, um, and I forget who came up with the idea, but we wanted to do uh, Sega arcade games. I think it was actually Michael. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think you were like, hey, Sega Arcade. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> of There's course, so of course. much of it. Um, I didn't realize. I, I used to work at an arcade when I was younger, and so many of the games that I, I really enjoyed were Sega Arcade games, like House of the Dead, well, they were um, Daytona. Pretty much, they were like the top dogs of like arcade games. It was basically Sega and, and um, any... Uh, um, Neo Geo's corporation, uh, SNK. So, oh, and Namco, too. That is true, but like, I feel like even with Namco, it wasn't as they, their games weren't as prevalent in the arcade scene. Like you had the classics, like the Dig Dugs and the Pac Mans, but once you broke out of that, their games were scant. But typically, when people were trying to hit arcades, they were trying to rush to a lot of the Neo Geo cabinets with their like swap carts. And uh, again, you had basically these guys to Sega. Like you had all the if you think of all the crazy games you played back in the day that weren't fighters. They were likely done by Sega. Like we had this chat a couple days ago, like the prop cycle game and the surfing game and the skiing game. Wasn't prop cycle Namco? 
I think it was Sega, maybe. We should probably look that up before we even talk about it. But Well, I'm, wait, we're not <laughs> claiming this is a fact here. So if anybody listening hears this, you can't claim superiority if we're not claiming to be 100%. So well, take that one. <laughs> we have so much music to get through today. Um, we're doing a, a super uh, deluxe episode. So, uh, Michael, why don't you start us off, and then this is 7-3, then we'll have Pernell, and then, then I'll go. We'll just go around in a circle. How about that? Sounds good to me. Shall we do this? Yeah, I got them all uh, picked up, so you just pick your first one and we'll go from there. Nice. Let's kick this off with a basketball game. Ooh. Hard Dunk. Hard Dunk. And this is uh, this is a piece from the final round of Hard Dunk, which was a, a System 32 game. And I believe it was released in 94, composed by Hideaki Miyamoto. This is, a, this is kind of a bringing the funk on this one, you know? Okay, awesome. Let's check it out. This is the final round, Hard Dunk. Hard Dunk. Hard Dunk for, with, uh, by Hideaki Miyamoto. This is some sampled business right here. This sounds like like early 90s sampling where like that they cut the drum break, but there's something weird with the memory, so it doesn't exactly like time right. correctly. <laughs> yeah, something like the SP-1200 drum machine sort of sound, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it's really crunchy. Uh, like 12 bit guitar samples almost and uh, the horn stabs it sounds like like uh, like ghetto boys or public enemy or something like that it does know? yeah that, that kind of right right yeah exactly yeah um, and some of the, the guitar samples reminds me of like norman cook like the old uh, fat boy slim where it's just like looping and looping just because it's like something new right 
Mmm, tasty, tasty. Yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you think, Pernell? Do you have, Do you like uh, uh, basketball games? I'm, you You can't see this, Michael, but I'm giving you the most <laughs> scrunched up. What are you talking? Oh, come on, about? you ever played Arch Rivals? I hated Arch Rivals. What about Double Dribble? Hated Double Dribble. NBA Jam. Hated NBA Jam. All right, oh, I just haven't on, played them. Hey, here's the thing: you gotta understand. This, I played all my well, I played some of our shows, but I played pretty much all of those games. I just had bad experiences with every last one of them, especially Double Dribble. I used to get hundred point blowouts by my brother in that game, and I'm not even making up the difference of score. It was embarrassing. So like, <laughs> it was always like, hey, this game might be the one that clicks. Oh, I can select Hillary and Bill Clinton. Why not? And then you go on, you play the game. It's like just because you got good character doesn't mean you're any better. You still suck at it, and just, <laughs> everyone just steamrolls you. So it's like, okay, time to go back to Magical Drop. I can't play this game anymore. Well, um, I never played. I never seen Hard Dunk. What was distinctive about this one? Well, from what I understand, because I've um, only really seen it, I haven't played this one myself, rather than it being going from left to right across the basketball court, you're sort of facing it front on. You know oh. what I mean? Oh, interesting. Like like a, like, a, like over the shoulder? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it looks like it uh, might play like dirt, to be completely honest. Um, but <laughs> I had to pick a basketball game because I enjoyed the basketball. Actually, do you know Street Hoop on the Neo Geo? No. Pernell, do you know that one? You, you love basketball games, Pernell. Oh, <laughs> yeah! I, I'm all about the hoop and street. No, sorry. <laughs> it's when they take the stick, right, and they kind of roll it down for bonus points. They hop curbs and stuff. Yeah. You know, Hoop Street. <laughs> Yeah, not big sports fans. <laughs> yeah, that's just fair enough, man. Maybe Street Hoop will convert you, though, because if you think this has got a funky thing going on, then holy smokes, like Street Hoop's got a fantastic funk soundtrack oh, cool. on there. It's got actual rapping on it and everything. Oh, that's awesome. What, wasn't there a, um, uh, an, a video game version of White Men Can't Jump for the 32X? I think there oh, was. Really? Oh, was it an actual basketball game or was yeah, it yeah, a yeah, video game? It was like an actual like basketball game. Oh man, I could that be way a bit off. too real for me. No. I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if you're right because it was a popular movie at the time, and basketball arcade games were popular at the time. Yeah. So I could easily see them converting doing a Sega CD version and use the CD technology to have footage from the film embedded in the game. So well, I don't know. I mean, throw a 32x. It wasn't um, CD. It was cartridge. Yeah, but they still had capabilities of doing weird stuff with that 32x cart. Like they could have easily thrown a couple, like just strips of like movie footage yeah, in there. Woody Harrelson just kind of jumping around. Yeah, like you make a good dunk, and it was just like a quick shot of Woody Harrelson dunk the ball. Like, well, this is awesome <laughs> for like five seconds. <laughs> and then I realized that the opposing player did the dunk, not me. And then wow. No, it's like every time he did he dunk, it's always Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly white mid can jump. See. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, Pranel, I think you are next. All right. I'm going to play a track that I was telling Rob on Sample Time that it's a, it's a divisive track. And what I mean by that is I don't know if I even like it or not. <laughs> I just know that I listened to it so much while trying to figure it out that it was worth playing on the show. So, <laughs> And it's also isn't necessarily an authentic title for the track because this is back when some of the OSTs didn't have track titles. So... This is a track from the game Riot City, and it plays during rounds 3-1 and 5-2, and is by the um, composer Jin Watanabe.
Welcome back. You are listening to Stage 3, 1, and 5, 2 from the game Riot City, composed by the composer Jen Watanabe. Now, why I picked this track... Well, it's heavy. And you oh, like the heavy stuff. I do like heavy Very stuff. Very heavy. If it were my house and not Rob's, I'd be breaking things while that was playing, <laughs> just to give the authentic feel. Um, but the other reason why I picked it was because during this episode preparation, I learned that this track is from the game Riot City, which is actually what the game Riot Zone comes from. Which that was is a, a beat-em-up, right? Yeah, it was a beat-em-up that I have on um, the Turbo Duo, and we even picked the track from that game a few weeks ago. And it's funny enough, the tracks have nothing in common with each other. So when they did Riot Zone, they completely redid all the music. So no, there's no semblance to the tracks in, the, in either game. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. But... I, I don't know what it is. Like, it's just a very repetitive track. It's awesome sounding. It's heavy. Like, I can just picture that yeah, guy. It's like, really I like vicious. This. Really vicious. Well, it's got that, like, really heavy, like, FM synth that's supposed to sound like a guitar that they, they used a lot on the Sega Genesis. And I, I find that that sound is really divisive. Either people, like, are really, they really like it, like a Skitchin or um, Road Rash, or they hate exactly, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, where, where do you land on this one, Michael? Cause, uh, yeah, it I, sounds like a, an electronic arts title. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny uh, you said, because the two games he named are both definitely electronic arts. Yeah, so. those are Rob Hubbard, and um, yeah, he really liked that. Yeah, that Hubbard is God, man. He's, he's, the, he's the guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's punishing. like, And I suppose it's uh, consistent with uh, the prevailing theme of the game. Like, I've just had a quick look at this, and it's... Uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 in the same league as Streets of Rage in terms of the brutality, isn't it? So yeah, it makes yeah, sense to me. Yeah, it was. Um, I think this was a collab between like uh, Hudson and Sega. Okay. And or man, I'll tell you, not the I think Taito. This is weird. I think Taito developed it. Sega published it in the arcade, and then Hudson Soft did the console um, version of it, which is just bizarre. But um, this game was during the phase where everybody's trying to ape on Final Fight. Right, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the beat-em-up genre was, like, all over the place. So if you look at the, I mean, I'm not sure if you if you looked at the two main characters or had a chance to see them when you were previewing the game, but the main main character is probably their version of Cody. And then they were like, well, our game is supposed to be more raw than Final Fantasy, so we can't really have a buff mayor taking the streets. We gotta have a punk rocker doing the job. So you got this guy with a mohawk, and, like, he's just, he's not as built as Hagar, but... He's trying to be the divide, the divide between you know the Cody wannabe and not quite mayoral material. Well, you had to have like like the tank character and like the ninja fast character and all that. Yeah, they do, and at the same time, that there's really nothing about them in the game that's different. It's just we want them to look different. We'll give you the illusion that you're getting some variation. You get nothing. <laughs> so, well, my first track is in the same vein of like this early FM uh, synthy sound. It's from the game, uh, it's from the shooter, oh, I think it was one of the first overhead shooters called Scramble Spirits for the Sega System 24 by Toru Nakabayashi and Yasuhiro Kawakami. This is Mission 3.
You're listening to Mission 3 from the game Scramble Spirits for the arcade Sega System 24 by Toru Nakabayashi and Yasuhiro Kawakami. Um, again, it's got that kind of classic FM synthy sound. Even the, the lead sounds like it's from a Commodore 64 with that kind of like phasey, that wow sound. Mm. But I, it's all about the drums on this one, man. It's all about like the classic like drum machine sound. I agree, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Smooth as a kite, though. The, the rhythm's kind of thorny and jagged, but then the whole thing just sort of sails across, right? Yeah, yeah. If this wasn't... is from a, a shooting game, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the rest of the tracks are a little faster, but this one just it kind of slowed down, so maybe there's like a different kind of a, like a vibe to this one. Maybe it's more hmm. like, I don't know. Could have even been like a menu select or something, like choose your ship or something. Who knows? Yeah, uh, well, no, it's BGM. Uh, no, no, not BGM. It's... Mission three, so it's a mission. Mission. Oh wow! Maybe the Title. maybe the purpose of the mission was going to the the depot to buy a new ship. Yeah. So you were just kind of walking down the aisle, choosing the ship to take in the mission four. Now I didn't choose from games that I've played because a lot of the games I remember d- didn't have really super memorable soundtracks, like um, House of the Dead for one. There was one that was like a it was like a cyber like motorcycle game in in the arcade. And had Cyber mode? Oh, it was really cool. It was like it was almost like Road Rash, where you had like buttons to like hit each other with them. But it was just such, the soundtrack was so generic. <laughs> I was not into it. I want to see. I don't want to figure out what that is. But I will say another thing about arcade. I'm not sure if I can speak for everybody, but when you ever go to the arcade to play games back in the day, there was tons of arcade machines piled next to each other. And all of them had their sound like jacked up, like there was no real optimization done. So depending on the game you were playing and the arcades you played at, it was likely that you couldn't even make out the music from the game you were playing because it was just all kind of coming together. Yeah, it's a one amalgamation of sound. It was yeah, it's quite an experience. Like what? you know, a lot of people might valorize like live music or going to concerts as being some sort of a uh, different or possibly more authentic kind of experience than listening to records at home and i think to an extent you could maybe say the same about the arcade experience right it was more of like a social happening where everything's just noise and i don't know it's uh i never really had it to be honest like i had to go i had to experience that when i went on holiday with my parents or on a shopping trip or something like that because it was from a small town so we couldn't really have an arcade and man, it was it was like nothing else I've ever experienced before or since, right? But still, so probably coming from like a like a small town without being able to to to, to experience that locally, it was probably like a big event then for you to be like, oh my god, all this noise and lights and everything. You got it, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I can honestly say, like, it, it kind of makes me sad to an extent because game technology got to the point where people who are not really familiar with the arcade scene or just didn't care enough about it will say. Why do you need an arcade anymore when I can get the same experience at home when the reality of it couldn't be farther from the truth? Like, we have these games in our homes now that make arcade games look like junk in comparison. But <laughs> I want those games in an arcade so that we can have that community environment back. And there's like, we're starting to get more of these Japanese arcades around our area now. They're starting to build them up bit by bit. So even though it's not quite the same because we're older and it draws a different crowd. You still can kind of get a glimpse of what that would have been like if arcades continued to thrive in the present. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Michael, what is your second track? Okay, I'm going for something a little less obscure now. I'm going for 
Virtua Fighter. Awesome. <laughs> so this is a game, um, when, it, when it first came out, when I first played it, it seemed so futuristic in its way with the graphics, yeah, right? really yeah. bold, blocky graphics, like such an advanced game visually. Uh, maybe looking back on it now, it hasn't really aged particularly well, uh, should we say? But, um, <laughs> maybe a little I think the soundtrack bit. has aged well, actually. So I decided to pick a jam from this game. And the tune is the character theme, and it is Akira. You're listening to Akira from Virtua Fighter for the arcade Sega Model 1 by Takayuki Nakamura. And this is awesome. I, I like the, um, there's like these this little uh, little guitar hits in the background part as part of like the rhythm that you didn't really mm. notice until like halfway through the track when everything kind of like cut out. This is a great pick, Michael. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also enjoying the sort of a piano channel. It's very classic house driving the track yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah. And whilst um, there's, there's not really a big memorable melody in this track, it's got a lot of development in the drums, right? So that's always something that I find quite attractive in a piece of VGM. Like the kick drum's going crazy, isn't it? Oh, totally. Yeah, that, it was like the little kick drum roll, which which is really unique to this this time, I think. Mm. It, this is a, I'm not sure. Like Now I want to hear more of the music from Virtua Fire because I'll admit, it was big 
in the arcade when it first came out, and I think it, has a, it had a 32X release at it, one point. Yeah, all the Virtua games. Yeah, 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 it did. Virtua Cop, Virtua Racing, yeah, Virtua but then, like, Fighter, and Virtua... There was a Virtua Tennis, but I don't think it was the same style of Virtua. That was, they weren't using the, oh, yeah, those yeah, gra- yeah. that graphic design with Virtua Tennis. They just kept the name to be authentic and have a series. But like, for some reason, I remember listening to this loosely, like not very much because my brother and some of his friends would play it, but I was kind of adverse to fighters for a long, long time. But now I'm listening to this track here, and it's like, I mean, I want to go back and revisit them again, see, yeah. I, see what I'm missing out on. Yeah, the Virtual Fighter series was, was really interesting, because this was like the first time where I saw like a full like 3D fighting game. Where after being like really into like the Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, and then seeing something like this really blew my mind. But I remember like when you would you would you could make your character jump and they would just like kind of float like zero gravity. Yeah, that was so strange. <laughs> I wonder why they did that. Like at first, I thought maybe like it was a problem where they couldn't they couldn't do it very well. I mean, they couldn't like program it really well. But then maybe they did it to balance the game. I, I don't know. Possibly, or maybe it's consistent with. Uh, some kind of anime sensibility, perhaps. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but no, this is a great, great pick. I feel like this, this is a, this is a really good example of like the late '90s Sega sound, where it's kind of like the housey uh, uh, piano, a little bit of a jazzy organ going on in the background. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No one does it better, in my opinion. All right, Pernell, what's your second track? Okay, I'm going to take it back a bit from what I would typically play on here. I think it's another shortest track that I came across, but it's a track that I really like. And given the dreary weather that we're having today, is pretty good for livening the room up a little bit. So I'm going to go with this track from the game Puyo Puyo Sun, and it is the character theme for the character Rulu. And it's composed by Katsumi Tanaka. You're listening to the theme for the character Rulu from the game Puyo Puyo Sun, written and composed by Katsumi Tanaka. Uh, this game never came to the States as its arcade iteration, but I am an avid fan of puzzle games. I'm an avid fan of Puyo Puyo. So when I heard that we were having an episode on Sega Arcade Games, one of the tracks would have to be from Puyo Puyo <laughs> Arcade Game, which is this one. It sounds like it's from Mario Kart, honestly. Well, the games, all the Puyo games had a pretty lighthearted theme to them. I mean, like, you have a fish that, like, just sells like he's like a, a businessman fish. You have Rulu, who's just like a sort of like a boxing girl in a gi. You have Draco, who's just like a always playful yet angry dragon woman. And then you have, it's like a, every character's weird. 
and ultimately the game itself is so difficult <laughs> that it <laughs> kind of belies the whole playful atmosphere. Do you have any um, experience with like the Puyo Puyo series, Michael? Absolutely not, I must be honest. Um, although on the strength of hearing this, I'm going to have to remedy that. Uh, it's, well, here's a question. You're a genius. This is a great pick. It's I, like the uh, <laughs> the oral equivalent of a margarita, a classic margarita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure how game releases, like if you got the same releases over there that we got, but did you guys get uh, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bee Machine or Kirby's Avalanche? I believe we got Kirby's Avalanche, yes. I think we did. That rings a bell. If you've played Kirby's Avalanche, that's actually Puyo Puyo. That was oh. pretty much the first... <laughs> it, that and Dr. Robotin are the first attempts they got. They made to get Puyo Puyo out of Japan. They gave it character skins that were familiar with audiences out of Japan and say, hey, here's this game. Give yeah. it a shot. It's a very challenging puzzle game. where It's like you're, you're matching three... Like little uh, mm. little like blobs as they fall down off the screen, matching the colors. But you can only attack the other player by performing really complicated combos, like having them like 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 setting it up and then having them all drop, 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 drop. And it, it's I found that so challenging. And then like you can never keep up with the computer, and you can never keep up with Pernell. That is true. I'm sure <laughs> it, it ended up being a lot of fun in that regard, though. And then. Um, if you're owner of the Vita, though I also think they may be putting it on a console this time, sometime this year, I heard, but there's a Puyo Puyo Tetris where they actually did an anniversary release and they combined Puyo Puyo and Tetris into one game, and it is ridiculous. That's <laughs> awesome. I'd like to see that. It's really strange. Like, you're literally blocking, you're, you're breaking lines and breaking Puyo in the same bum play field oh, that's awesome it's really odd but fun all right so uh, my next pick is it's a lot like how we talked about almost like a third person perspective this is called last survivor for the um sega arcade x uh system and it's just background music three and this is really interesting in that it's kind of a it's almost a third it's almost a first person shooter but like almost like behind the character and this was actually developed prior to uh doom so and it was for the arcade so it doesn't look Super great, but I'm sure, like, as far as the uh, um, technology goes, it was it was pretty pretty far ahead of its time. So this is Ooh. background music three from the game Last Survivor for the Sega X by Koichi Namiki.
You're listening to Background Music 3 from the game Last Survivor for the Sega System X. Produced by, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, composed by uh, Koichi Naimiki. Um, and th- again, I don't know much about this one. I think this is more of a rarity in like the Sega arcade titles. But man, the soundtrack is funky. Super funky. No doubt, man. That bass line's incredible, yeah, actually. Yeah, I was just going to say, I love that, like, kind of that, that wow, wow, that synthy bass sound. And it's just, just kind of, just kind of bouncing around with the rest of the track. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, I don't remember the artist, but there's like a jammer called Don't Stop the Music. It goes like, do, 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 you know that one? Ah, oh, don't stop. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that up. But no, yeah. The we'll, bass line reminds me of that, yeah. We'll have to post that on, on Facebook and put it alongside this track. <laughs> I'm just having I will, trouble I not freestyling to this. Like, I feel like every time it goes through a passage, I just kind of add something extra to it. Yeah. M, C, clap your hands. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> like, I just like that. I honestly have a, a passion for tracks that do that to us. Like, the track sounds good, but it pulls you in and you go, I can just, I can hear something right here. It would go something like this. Like, the scat sounds are coming out or whatever. Probably not conducive for, you know, actually a performance or anything, but if you're just kind of having your own one on one listening session, I guess you really feel like you're jamming out with the song. So yeah, so this is my my funky my funky funky pick for the day. Um, honorable mention: I wanted to play uh, "Slingshot" from Daytona USA 2. Um, I decided not to pick it because I had so many lyrics, and but it's been in my head for about two weeks now, and I can't stop singing it, and it's driving everyone crazy. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put that one up on Facebook too, so you can, everyone can enjoy that. Uh, Michael, what is your third and final classic track? My third and final classic track classic. is from Cyber Police eSWAT. And oh, this is E-SWAT. BGM3 composed by Yasuhiro Kawakami. And this one is a track that I hope Purnell will like. I think this could be a Purnell pick. I hope so anyway. Fingers crossed.
listening to Background Music 3 from the game Cyber Police Eswat for the Sega System 16B by Yasuhiro Kawakami. Um, this is awesome. What's Eswat? It's like electronic SWAT team. <laughs> I think it's um, enhanced special weapons and tactics, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to doubt um, so you on that one. This is an entirely different game to the Mega Drive title for eSwap. Yeah, that's what I'm and, remembering. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good game in my book, but I just wish that a version of this track had existed on the Mega Drive game because the Mega Drive soundtrack's not great, but this tune, this tune's the one. Like, it's yeah. huge huge tune now help me out a little bit here because one oh just to clarify this is not a pity like i like this track this is really good i was doing the, the bit of the shuffle here to it um but i have heard of the i i owned the genesis game but i didn't even know this was an arcade game until you just said i'm picking this track and then you said it's different it's like what would you say that you recall some of the similarities between the two game styles well, it's still a side-scrolling, uh, you know, moving across the ground and, you know, gunning bad guys down and kind of platforming elements. Um, the Genesis Mega Drive version, it just feels more well-realized. There are more weapons. Um, it's just a superior game in my book. It's it's more or less the same sort of thing, but a little bit less arcadey. Like, it's not as much of a quarter gobbler, I suppose, if that makes uh. sense. That's always appreciable, that's for sure. That's really interesting about this this episode, since we're doing a lot of like classic arcade games. A lot of these had ports to like the Mega Drive or the Super Nintendo, um, or even like classic like Master System and Nintendo. Um, so it, having the difference in the soundtrack, it was almost as different as like the graphics was um, from the from the arcade to the home version, which is something you don't see nowadays. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. I'm a I'm. I'm actually enjoying this episode a lot. Like, I was worried. I was like, he's like, like Rob was like, okay, we're going to like, well, it's like, no, not Rob, but you know, you suggested it and we agreed to it. I was like, okay, we're going to do these Masters Day Sega arcade games. I'm like, okay, I like Sega arcade games, but I can't think of a great deal of them. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, you know, the research had to get done. I just hit the internet and see which games am I forgetting existed. And then this whole world opened up of tracks that I just didn't even give consideration to and now i'm all over it like, so what was uh so what's your what's your third and final one then what's, what's the third one that like that opened up to you what well, did you open your heart to for now open my heart <laughs> well i want to outright clarify something real quick i was wrong about that riot city track that wasn't Taito. it was actually a company west tone who actually had their hand in the pot of the game that i picked for this last track too there was a weird hybrid of like who worked on what and the titles of them but this game was called Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair, not Wonder Boy 3, <laughs> which is also a game. But um, is this still like in the Wonder Boy series? Yep, still oh. in the series of game. Um, so Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair, and the track is called Dragon's Castle, and it's composed by Shinichi Sakamoto.
Welcome back. You just jammed out to the Dragon's Castle track from the game Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair, composed by Shinichi Sakamoto. Uh, I have mentioned Wonder Boy 3 on the show in previous episodes, most specifically going by the name of Dragon's Curse. Um, however, Wonder Boy 3, I'm sorry, Dragon's Curse was an iteration of Wonder Boy 3, and then Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair was a variation of that game where it is a side-scrolling left-to-right game, sort of like how Adventure Island would have played back in the day because they were from the same right. family of yeah, games. Yeah, there, there was like a whole time where like side-scrolling platformers were, were a thing in the arcade. Yeah, you were. It's just just bizarre, though, because like, like, these games, this series of games is by the same developer, but then when Adventure Island stepped in, it's the same games, but Hudson Saw popped in there for a few minutes. It's like, okay, we're going to give it a coat of paint. But in this one, unlike the other games in the series, in addition to the left and right size, left to right side scrolling with the action collecting fruit and weapons, there's also a shooting section when you get to the Dragon Castle stages where you're riding on the back of a dragon and you are you know, basically shooting and you're scrolling up and down. Oh, so well this is this is a shooter like kind of section. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, does, it has that kind of sound to it. It's friggin' awesome too. I, I am a huge fan of this track. I when I heard it. By the third repeat listen, I was kind of like, well, this is going to be one of my tracks regardless of what else I come across. <laughs> well, I, I like it. I like this one a lot. Again, it's got that kind of classic like FM synthy sound going on that you would hear in the arcade. Very crunchy. Mm. So every yeah, time I you agree, guys man. say... It's cr- easy to like over-egg the pudding, so to speak, when it comes to FM synth. Uh, sometimes it can be a little too harsh, but this one hits the sweet spot for me. Like It's very... Very bold, very heroic. Yeah, very. It's got that heroic kind of like it goes like kind of into like these major like kind of chords towards the end there. It goes dun dun dun. I just gotta say, between Rob's minting of crunchy and you're talking about sweet pudding, like <laughs> I'm getting hungry over here in such a way. It's like I just keep hearing food references. That, yeah, that's that's a that's a common theme on this show. Is we um, when we record is before Pernell is eaten. And he's just hungry the whole time. This is honestly very true. <laughs> that's, that's another rule of show business, right? Stay hungry. <laughs> Stay hungry, exactly. <laughs> Gotta eat. All right, so my last track is, um, it's also from the same um, era of Virtual Fighter. This is called Wing War um, for the Sega Model 1 by Tomoyuki Kawamura. This is um, a 3D flying shooter. Um, that was kind of a sit-down, um, kind of like you were behind the plane, and it was a, a dogfighting game. And this is the theme for the Mitsubishi A6M0. That's a mouthful. Fire uh, Wing War by Tomoyuki Kawamura.
the theme of the Mitsubishi A6M0 from the game Wing War for the arcade Sega Model 1 by Tomoyuki Kawamura. Um, and the rest of the soundtrack is not quite as jazzed up awesome as this one. I just, listening through the soundtrack, this thing, it, just, it stood up above all of the other tracks. So I wonder if this was like a, like a boss fight or something, because it's just so huge. Um, but yeah, it's a great, great tune. It's got great drums. It's got those awesome horns. You can't beat the horns on this one. Yeah, it's unexpectedly upbeat, actually, for, yeah. a, for a dogfighting game, don't you, don't you think? Yeah, that, that, that's what makes me think it's some kind of like boss music or some kind of event that takes place in the game. Because otherwise, the game is kind of like cinematic with like kind of droning music in the background that's not, not, not as thematic as this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I had a quick look online um, for this game, and I noticed that the controls consist of like a, a flight stick and yes. a throttle, like a flight simulator sort of setup. Which I think that would uh, that would be pretty. It's pretty novel, wouldn't you say? It's a pretty novel thing to find in an arcade. I think that would stand out for me. I would go straight over to that machine. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of like the Sega arcade games had unique. Um, cabinets built for them too. So I think they think they had a series of like maybe uh, uh, pl- like airplane or dogfighting games that would use similar cabinets. Um, and they also had um, really like big ones that you would find at like large amusement centers. And this one was in one of those big 360. Like you would sit inside the little the little cabinet and it could spin around all the way around. Oh wow! Um, yeah, oh. you don't really see those. I, I always think about like these those big huge like mechanical cabinets and like whatever happened to them like were they broken down for parts or are they, are they sitting in a museum somewhere they're now at NASA being used to train actual <laughs> actual space pilots <laughs> though I do wonder though like who was the initiator for those kinds of elaborate cabs because I think back and I'm trying to remember the earliest game I can remember in the arcade that oh, had I have one, more yeah. than a controller and I know Afterburner was yeah, one I was going to say Afterburner because I remember going um, inside an Afterburner cabinet and it would tilt up and down like almost like a seesaw and it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. I, was, I wasn't expecting it to move. And that was Sega, so it's like it's very yeah. likely, very possible that Sega actually pioneered those elaborate cabinets. So. Yeah, even the Daytona 2 um, Sega, uh, Daytona USA 2 had this huge sit inside like the car and the whole car would actually like rock mm. left and right. Well, that'd be awesome to get into. Now it didn't move on its own, like you, it just was like it felt like it was kind of floating. And, um, but yeah, I played. I put so many hours into that game. Of course, the sad reality was, as my body extended well beyond its time, well too <laughs> soon, I started to outgrow the machines as they were making them well before I should have That's been able so to fit them. It, it's, it's discrimination, isn't it? it? Oh, it is. It's height discrimination. And like I remember, like like I'd say maybe 2008 or so, I went to Seattle for a Penny Arcade Expo. And they had an arcade out there that actually had an F-Zero GX machine, oh, which awesome, yeah. is also developed by, even though it's a Nintendo property, the machine was actually developed by Sega. So it had a, a full-on cab that you could sit inside of, and it had wind that would blow at you as you sped up. <laughs> and of course, I couldn't fit properly in the machine, so I had like one leg outside the machine, and one leg was kind of curled up and like kicking the gas pedal with my toe. It was <laughs> so it's like awkward. It's, it's like you driving a real car, then. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. My automobile. Uh, do, do you have any uh, memories of like some uh, crazy uh, mechanical cabinets, Michael? Yeah, we did have those. Um, but again, you're quite right. They did seem to be pretty short-lived. I mean, I was always scared of those things. Yeah. Maybe in the in the footwell, it would be full of 
uh, it'd be full of slush drinks and all sorts of horrible <laughs> festering rubbish or something because it keeps moving around all the time. But no, they they were they seemed to be all the rage for a couple of years and then just disappeared. And, and they were always so expensive as well. So right, I'd much right. much rather just plow my money into like Street Fighter or something. True. Yeah, actually playing them was very expensive. Probably expensive for the arcades as well because they must have been so heavy uh, to transport back and forth. But we have a yeah. um, we have a bar like a barcade. Um, in the city out here, and they have a. I'm not sure if they still have it, but it was a sit-down Sinistar uh, cabinet. But it was like a you get inside of it, and it was just it wasn't didn't move or anything, but you would play it. But like along the lines of like, like you know, finding like nasty stuff inside of it. I never wanted to sit in there because I mean, this was. <laughs> I don't know who was throwing up in there or what else was going on inside that thing. But... You can never tell, can you? <laughs> no. The mystery will confound you for life. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to bring this last track down, and we are going to get into the bonus round. Bonus round! <laughs> that sounded like time extension. Rolling Stars! All right, so, um, Michael, you have something special for us today? Well, if you want to call it special, I'm very happy to go along with that. Why not? Special. So um, this is um, this is my pick for the b- b- bonus round. This is from <laughs> Golden Axe, um, and this is a version of Wilderness. Now, this is kind of cheating on my part because this is something that I composed myself. Uh, oh, awesome. I put it together um, a couple of weeks ago on a quiet Saturday afternoon. Like, I really wanted to have... Golden Axe is my pick for this episode, but I couldn't really find a, a remix or a cover version that I was 100% into. So I was finding like metal instrumental versions and some fairly orthodox dance versions, but yeah. you know they were fine. But I wanted to try and compose something that reflected my my own feelings on the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I really actually I really appreciate that. Um, something really um, unique for, for the show today, which is which I'm really excited about. Oh, no worries, man. It was quite a lot of fun to put together. So the prevailing sounds kind of like a, like a trip hop, like DJ shadow sort of thing. Cool. Um, that may or may not work for you. I don't know. We'll see. No, it totally oh, he loves DJ shadow. <laughs> yeah, that's my stuff. All right. So let's get into it.
great michael thanks thanks for bringing that to the show today that was awesome hey no worries thanks a lot for listening those screams that's you know golden axe was kind of violent wasn't it you know those, those <laughs> yeah. are actually from the game itself those yeah samples. it's like you run into a dwarf and then you just beat the... something a bit uh, authentic in oh, there yeah. to, to sweeten the deal but at the same time you also were able to ride like weird like dragon chickens so oh yeah right <laughs> it balances it out <laughs> I, I like the guitar part on the second pack part of the track. It was very like like dreamy, it's like dream wavy. It was very cool. Ah, uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a pretty simple, pretty simple piece melodically. So that made it quite straightforward to uh, lay the guitars down because you know I'm I'm not exactly the best guitar player in the world, but uh, doing the the harmonizing guitar thing was was a lot of fun. You know, give it a little bit of a new wave of British heavy metal sort of feel to supplement the beats, right? Yeah, it sounded great. I, I really, uh, it had a really nice like reverb to it and it fit really nicely with those cool like uh, the strings and like everything else for, like I guess was from the game. Does, awesome. Were the synths from the uh, the soundtrack or did you did you lay them down separately? Oh, I just composed those myself, oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, but it's, um, the, the string sound initially is just playing the uh, the the main motif of the, of the game's uh, tune, yeah. Right. Cool. This is overall a high quality package. It's super, super awesome. Purnell, so thank you very much. So Purnell, um, you didn't have like a cover or a remix, but you wanted to maybe share something on the other side of things, right? Yeah, because what happened was when we went into this episode, another track that I had in mind that I was going to pick was from Virtual Cop 2 because I had fond memories of how awesome this track played when I used to play the game. What I didn't realize is that I only played it on the Saturn. And I expected the arcade version to sound better, if anything. I mean, it's the arcade <laughs> game. So when I went and found it, I was extremely disappointed to learn that it did not sound like I wanted it to sound. And it was lacking a certain element that the Saturn version has. So I figured, hey, 
bonus round for me is going to be that Saturn version of the track that I wanted to play on the show but couldn't. I think it's a great idea. That's cool. Yeah. That works. So the track in question is the second section of the rail line shootout stage, a.k.a. Trap 1 from the game Virtual Cop 2, composed by Hideki, Hideaki Miyamoto. that track i know is probably cheating a bit but i'm sorry like i if you listen to the original version of it for the arcade it sounds so unlike this that it may as well this may as well have been a remix of that track it's it's criminal almost that's a really cool one it's very it's got like a really like tense kind of feeling to it very cool and it really is because i mean back when i used to play that game for the first time um i was pretty solid at all the levels but that last set of stages I would get my butt handed to me there, and the tracks were pretty fitting for that because when I finally got through it in, in one piece, I was pretty proud of myself because this wasn't point blank. This was a real deal shooter. You're trying to save the world here, or at least <laughs> Metro City, whatever. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed it. No, I like that. Always bringing something different. I um, try. So this one I brought is called. It's from Daytona USA One. Rolling start. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, no. This is called, uh, this is a remix of the, of the track called Sky High. It's called Sky High 2014 by one of my favorite artists, Rob KTA. Thank you. 
Was the that was the Rhythm Pixels dance party for like the last eight special minutes. special? <laughs> no, that was a Sky High fourteen uh, for two thousand fourteen from the game Daytona USA by the artist Rob KTA. And if you like that, like all of his tracks, even his original music is is in that vein where it's like super like positive, like kind of house house music. So really, really yeah. Great I'm gonna stuff. get straight on that when I get home <laughs> <laughs> from recording this. Really, you know, I'm really looking forward to this episode dropping now, right? Because um, you know. I live in the northeast of England and it's February and it's cold and wet and gray. <laughs> so I'm going to be on the metro going to town when this drops and it's going to clear the sky, man. It's oh, going good. to completely clear the sky. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Yeah, we got similar weather here right now. Very cold and very, very wet. Yes. <laughs> um, so oh, have you fearing good? Fearing good. <laughs> um, so for more information on the artist's on the bonus round part of the show, check out the website, rhythmandpixels.com, and we'll have links to their Bandcamp, SoundClouds, and everywhere else you can find their music. Thank you for joining us today on Rhythm and Pixels Video Game Music Podcast, Episode 7-3, our focus on Sega arcade games with our special guest, Michael Bridgewater, from the show Forever Sound Version. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much for having me once again. I've got to say, I've been, uh, I would say at this point, I'm a long-time listener of your show. Um, oh, I first started listening when I was working a particularly 
a tiresome job. Um, You know, I could like get away with listening to music on my shift. And you helped a whole lot, I have to say. So I'm really grateful. And it's not every day that you get to guest on one of your favorite podcasts. So this has been really cool. Thanks. Thanks once more for having me on today. No, it's great. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. You have like a great knowledge, a great knowledge of game music and of music. So it's been really a a great pleasure having you on the show. Not to mention this overall positive spirit in that voice. Immaculate. <laughs> yeah, you got a great radio voice. <laughs> hey, that means a lot coming from you, Pernell. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, Pernell, Pernell, you're famous. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes um, uh, Pernell will vocalize during a track, and I'll, I'll, I'll record it uh, secretly and then just loop it. <laughs> <laughs> why, and, why wouldn't you, you know? And notice that has yet to deter me from not doing it, even though I know he might do the record. Like, I don't want him to do it, but I can't pass this up. So um, why don't you uh, why don't you plug some of your stuff? I know you got a uh, podcast, but I think you have some original music. Maybe you could uh, plug that here. Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, all, so the all. podcast, like you say, is Forever Sound Version. Um, episodes come out sporadically. I'm not nearly as regular as you guys. And I've recently recorded an episode on the Atari Jaguar game Tempest 2000, Ooh. which will be going out quite soon. Good one. A real, on. uh, real hidden gem for you there. Um, recently I've done an episode on the Master System and also I'm not sure if you've heard this one but I did a show with a, with a few friends there were four of us and we had a VGM battle where we <laughs> were kind of competing to see who could have the best picks and we just drank loads of beer and had a great time in our living room it was the best so honestly I'm catching up party, yeah. check that one out I'm, I'm, I'm still catching up so I'm, I'll, I'll awesome. hit that one next <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of my own music, I've got a project called uh, Waskily Way, which is uh, uh, very hard for me to describe. It's it's electronic music, I suppose, but of a slightly off-kilter persuasion. Uh, so if you're curious, then you can find me on uh, Twitter, perhaps. Waskily Way is the handle. And for uh, Forever Sound version, FSV Podcast is the handle. And you can find me on... Uh, iTunes store and all that good stuff if you want to listen to the show or subscribe. Oh, that's great. Um, real quick, what what does Forever Sound version mean, if you're prepared to answer that one? <laughs> I'll try my best. It's, um, well, it's sort of a, a little nod to uh, original sound version, the uh, the, the Japanese designation of, of a soundtrack. Oh. And it's, it's kind of playing on that, and Forever just means to maybe sustain the lineage of these composers who didn't necessarily get the chops when they were working. And just, you know, I'm a real firm believer in this music, like the the good stuff rises to the top and it'll last forever, you know? It's kind of cheesy, but uh, that's what it is. Forever sound version. That is a spectacular explanation, hands down. Oh, yeah. And it's honestly (laughs) quite true when you think about it because the kind of heart back on the thing that we was joking about offline earlier during the episode, um, like you're like, I never hear any bad music. All I hear is good music. But then think back, can you really recall any bad tracks that you heard back in like 2008 or heck, 1997 or anything? You're likely Mm. to not be able to for the exact reason you just stated. You hear the bad music at the time. You're like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Who wrote this? And it might end up on the news a couple times or on some radio station for a bit. But then it eventually gets flooded out by all the awesome tracks that are rising to the top. Yeah, good stuff. The good good stuff will last. That's absolutely true. Um, Yeah, I really hope that's the same in in all manner of uh, (laughs) cultural paradigms and everything. I think you have to believe in it because there's no alternative, really, is there? Right. If, um, if you go back to our episode titled Memories, um, I think it's at the end of 6-something, 
I play a track from Mega Rand called Infinite Lives, and it's all about um, how you can live forever through your music. Like, he might die, but the feelings that he gave his fans and the, and the people listening to his music will just live on farther than he's alive. And I, I just think it's really inspiring um, just to keep doing what you're doing and keep doing what you love. And so that's yeah, it. I, I love that. Um, if you'd like to leave us an email, if you have any questions about the show, or if you have any comments, or if you have any suggestions for future topics, please leave us an email. Rhythm and Pixels at Hotmail.com. <laughs> and um, if you'd like for more information about the show or a full track listing, go to the website. Rhythm and Pixels.com. And if you'd like to check us out on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Rhythm and Pixels. And uh, recently, I've been streaming to uh, Twitch TV, uh, twitch.tv slash rhythmandpixels, if you want to see me speedrun through, um, uh, when am I playing now? Enter the Gungeon. So I'm speedrunning Enter the Gungeon. What, you've beaten it? No, I'm so close, though. Oh, my God. I tried to get back into that game because of you, and I'm garbage. <laughs> so, yeah. so speedrun for me means as soon as you can get to the boss, you play it. So you don't, you don't stop for anything. So you're, 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 you're playing through the game with a pea shooter. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm getting close. Nice. Getting close. But uh, um, yeah, I've got nothing else. So again, Michael, thank you for joining us today. And thanks for having me, honestly. Maybe maybe I can return the favor sometime once I get my act together on the tech side of it, I would say. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We, we would love to be a part of your show. So you just let us know whenever whenever you're prepared and, and um, we can we can do some of the recording on our end and like ship you the files. So that'll make things easier. So uh, We'll figure something out. That'll be cool. I'll look forward to it. I'll be down for it for sure. Any excuse to get on the show that told me about 70s Drive, I'm all for it. I still listen to that track to this day. <laughs> Man, V Rallies, that's a real humdinger of a soundtrack, that original V Rally. Oh, totally. Yeah. I was I was thinking on Ridge Racer, but that was Namco. I wanted to play some Ridge Racer music because that was actually some of the same music from Daytona USA too. But I digress. Mm. Um, you're listening to the Rhythm and Pixels video game music podcast. I'm Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Thank you and have a great week. And remember, video games have evolved and changed a lot over the last couple decades, really. Um but I feel like, as I mentioned kind of earlier in the show, it started to get more into like a sort of isolation bubble, even mm-hmm. when you factor in the, mm-hmm. oh, you stop it, you. <laughs> oh, like more, people become more isolated with what they play, even with the internet being out there and online play. But I feel like to get the most out of video games, we got to definitely push more of a community environment out there. Be welcoming, be open, talk to friends. Talk to new, potential new friends. Heck, we only know Michael because of this podcast and, and just having that community environment where we all start to talk to each other. Um, it's just, it makes the experience 10 times better. No hips, ands, or buts about it. Community's where it's at in the gaming communities. And it's not quite an arcade, but we can keep that passion and feeling alive. The arcade alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Tell him. <laughs> <laughs>